0: Hey, it's Liz Kelly, and welcome to the Ringer Podcast Network. For the next eight weeks, the Rewatchables will be covering eight films that are incredibly rewatchable despite having one major flaw. So far, we've covered the movie Higher Learning, and this Wednesday, Bill Simmons, Chris Ryan, and Ryan Russillo are talking about the 1985 wrestling classic, Vision Quest. So make sure and check out the flawed Rewatchables on the Rewatchables feed, on Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.
1: Alright, welcome to Against All Odds Cousin Sal, part of the Ringer Podcast Network. Mighty Mighty Boss Tone's playing us in. Heel producer Jim Cunningham is with me, working the board. What's happening, Jim? Not much, Sal. How are you doing? I'm doing well. We're getting through this lean time. And uh, here's some three guys that can help us get it through it even faster. I mean, th- me and you, that, that would be enough for most podcasts, but not this one. Three more fellas make this work. My gurus are gambling my wizards of wagering, my barons of betting, my overlords of the odds, the degenerate trifecta, Harry, Brother Bry, Darren, the parlay kid. What's happening, fellas? What's going on, Sal? Hey, Sal. What's going on, buddy? Oh, man, we have a lot to cover. We're making it work. These uh, non-football weeks, we're going to make it work. We have the Wilder Fury fight, obviously, NBA Rookie of the Year talk. Uh, we're going to discuss the XFL a little. We're going to take a ride on Captain Morgan's Make Believer Bowl Casino, Sharp Tank, where you guys present your best bets. And, and I'm very excited about this. We have a very, very special guest coming up later in the podcast. You know, this time of year is good because we get to talk to whatever guests we want to. We're not tied to Antonio Brown coming on or Colin Kaepernick or whoever the Ringer or Spotify sticks with us. <laughs> I, I like those guys when they're on, but, you know, um, in this hour, We're going to talk to the mastermind behind Super 70 Sports account on Twitter. Ricky Cobb is joining us. Simmons, Bill Simmons got me hooked on the account. I feel like I got everyone on the program hooked on afterwards, except for one person on this podcast. I look does not follow Super 70 Sports. Paul, kid, you want to guess who that is? Do we need to? It's got to be Harry. Yeah, of course it's Harry. Of course it's (laughs) Harry. I just wait for you guys to send me stuff. So we just, that's all we do all day is send each other Super 70s stuff. Jim Cunningham, you follow. You're in on of it, course. too. But Harry, apparently, he, if you can't help him pick winners in WNBA, he doesn't care. He doesn't give a shit. He doesn't want to follow you. He's missing out. Joke's on you, Harry. That's all right. I guess so. All right. I'll try not to tell uh, Ricky Cobb. That's the mastermind behind Super 70s. Try not to tell how much Harry hates him. But let's talk about Wilder Fury. Uh, The fight was Saturday night. It was very entertaining. It was one-sided, but I thought very entertaining because the last thing you want to do, especially in a uh, heavyweight fight, is pay 75 bucks. Two big guys hanging on each other. I feel like we saw this with the Klitschkos for many, many years. They would win not convincingly or convincingly by points, but this was not the case at all. It was First of all, odds-wise, this went off around even. It started off. Then Wilder. Everyone started betting Wilder. Went up to 160. Everyone had him. Uh, And he lost. He got destroyed. He got hit with some bombs. Um, Stopped, what, in the sixth round? Probably could have been stopped in the fourth round, but also probably could have gone to the eighth round. So it was a weird fight in that regard. Um, If you had Fury by KO, TKO, or DQ, that was five to one odds. If you had Fury in the seventh round, pays 40 to one. Brother Brian, what? You had, I just, I just felt like the tide was turning. I love the under. I know you love the under in this fight. I was wrong with the reasoning, but then you had Wilder, Parley Kid had Wilder, Simmons, House, everyone I knew. I liked Wilder. I had Wilder a little bit in the, in the middle round stuff. I'm like, oh my God, this just isn't going to happen. When did you realize it was a bum bet?
2: Yeah. Well, you know, I will say Fury fought about as well as you could fight, especially for such a big guy. And he is in good shape for for such a big guy. But what I would say is, it's funny, Wilder usually is not the most fundamental fighter. Usually if you watch his footwork in these fights, it's it's usually off. It was more, it was exceptionally off. Um, I don't know if it was from his outfit coming into the ring, but I will say in like the first round, he landed a decent right. And the second round wilder landed a a really good right hand, and it didn't even seem to phase fury and he just kept you know he was just coming forward and you knew at that point in time I knew i i was thinking i said to my friends I was like there's no way wilder's he's definitely not winning a decision, so he's gonna have to land some freak punch here and um you know as as you saw, fury just you know beat the shit out of him uh he he did about it as well as you could. He leaned on him. He put all that weight on him. It, Wilder just seemed like he was off, uh, especially in the th- starting in the third round when he ruptured his eardrum. I mean, he was off. But like, uh, I, I would definitely say even in the second round, you kind of knew it was it was going that way for this fight. I think they said he didn't rupture his eardrum, which like I, I, I thought.
3: Right. No, <laughs> I don't know. I read
2: that maybe he didn't,
1: but that would make the most sense. That's what we all thought. Like, well, his equilibrium's off. He's just not there, you know? Even in the first and second round, when he wasn't getting hit with the bombs, eventually he did get slugged. And uh, it's like, all right, this guy, it's only a matter of time here, especially since he's not throwing uh, throwing back here, really. But um, yeah, it was rough. Now, Parley Kid, the rematch is going off at minus 260. He's exercising the rematch clause, Wilder is going off at -260 for uh Fury favored. I've saw su- I saw sub- -300 somewhere. I saw -220, but for the most part right in that -260 range, yeah. is there value in Wilder? I kind of think there
3: is, but I want to hear your thoughts first. Yeah, so there's got to be value in in Wilder here. Um everything you're saying. I mean, listen, I think we we look at wilder and he just uh everybody assumes he's the better athlete in the ring but he's really not fury's the better athlete in the ring but that being said wilder's power is not going anywhere he still has that knockout power at any time i do think he will be more motivated in this third fight to put on a a much better showing because he really did look I thought he looked kind of terrible in this fight. Yeah so I think there is going to be some motivation there. And on the same, in the same token, you know will Fury get a little complacent now? Will he maybe regress for one fight? So I think if all that you know factors in where Fury maybe, I don't know, it starts putting himself on cruise control a little bit, and Wilder amps his game up a little bit. I think if you're going to get Wilder at plus 200. Uh, to win that fight. I think there's still very good value in that. Uh, I wouldn't, right. I probably wouldn't be betting it, but, uh, I do think there'll be some value there for, 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 bet- I bettors.
1: might bet it. I, I think it's, you know, and, and obviously not based on anything we saw at a wilder Saturday night, but I think just like you said, whenever you get two heavyweights, first of all, the idea that both of them are going to come into the fight in shape this time, obviously right. fury came in shape that surprised us all. Uh, Next time, it could be Wilder. You know, who knows? Right. Uh, maybe the celebratory uh, kick, the stuff kicks in for Fury the way it did the first fight. We know exactly. that they could fight evenly. They fought to a draw the first time. So if, I think if you can get plus 220, plus 240, not happy with the way Wilder fought uh, the second fight, but I still think there's good uh, value in there. By the way, Fury claims that he drank between 20 and 30 cans of Diet Coke a day. A day! And... <laughs> and stopped cold Turkey 10 weeks before the fight and every day leading up. I don't know if that's the answer, but this diet Coke takes a huge, huge, uh, hit. And, uh, speaking of his eating <laughs> and drinking patterns, Harry, what about the blood he actually licked? He knew he had the match in hand. He licks Deontay Wilder's blood. He said he wanted to taste his blood. You've tasted some disgusting concoctions in your life, but, um, what did you think of that?
0: You know, I, Fury, myself, bald guys—we back up what we say. I yes. mean, uh, he said he was going to win, and he did. Oh. He said he wanted to taste blood, and he did. Look, is it gross? Uh, I guess, but you know what? I liked it. <laughs> Fury is fantastic. Crazy guys like him in sports are great. They're much needed. I thought it was fantastic. What well, I mean, but you've had some disgusting things too. What is that dumb
1: Sonic shake you have that everybody no no one likes? Oh, it's <laughs> uh,
0: what is it? It's um a blue coconut with grape with lemon mix, and then you throw in nerds and a squirt of yeah. uh, a squirt of lemon.
1: You have to throw in nerds. All right, well, I don't know. Yeah, I, I'm asking the wrong guy. Jim Cunningham, what were your thoughts on the fight?
4: I thought it was great. I was surprised at how big Fury looked. I mean, obviously, I guess from drinking all that Diet Coke, but it was right. crazy how, how much bigger he was, 43 pounds, right?
1: My friend Daniel has a a theory that Diet Coke, and I'm I'm kind of, he's crazy normally, but I kind of believe in this. Diet Coke makes you fat. And you would think that people would think, no, no, put an ingredient in there that makes you thin. And then everyone's going to drink Diet Coke. It's like, no, that's not how American people think. American people think I'm drinking Diet Coke. Look at this. I'm gaining weight. I need to drink more Diet Coke. That's the psyche that goes on in this country. And I think that's what happens. And that's that's why Tyson Fury is a champ. He swore. <laughs> I love Coke. I love Coke products, but he cut out the Diet Coke. And look at that. He's wearing the strap again. All right. Let's go to baseball. Uh, It's too early to analyze, I think, over-unders for team wins and stuff like that. What are we, We're third week in February? But there is one prop that jumped out, and people have been asking about uh, this uh, on Twitter, and we've gotten emails about it. Astros, most hated team in the league. They came out with a number for how many times they would be hit by a pitch. How many batters would be hit by a pitch this season? 2020, Houston Astros. I saw 80. And then it looks like the legal sites have it at 83 and a half. Yeah. Um, Harry, over or under 83 and a half, a little more than one every two games. I think six or seven teams last year were around one or every one, every two games. I know my Mets led the way there with like 95. You're going over or under here?
0: You know, I'm going over, Sal. I mean, look, already in spring training in their first game on the road, Altuve got hit. They were booing him and booing the team Uh, star players like Cody Bellinger, Aaron Judge, uh, Nick Marcakis have already come out and said uh, that uh, they should be reprimanded. And this has been terrible uh, black eye for baseball. Uh, Marcakis even went a few steps further saying, uh, you know, that that. They need to be beaten. I mean, uh, they're messing with people's careers. And he's right. Markakis is a, you know, a 14-year vet, 288 career batting average. He's played years and years and put his time in. He finally, I think two years ago, uh, or maybe it was even last year, where he finally got a little taste of the playoffs and just thinks that, you know, he even said, like I said, that they should be beaten, which is pretty crazy. It's pretty pretty extreme. But still, I think it's going to go over because I think it's going to happen right from the get-go. Um, I checked their schedule in their first 21 games they play uh division rival uh the Anaheim Angels 10 times so when you see a team sometimes that many times in such a short time period you get a little uh heated anyway so i think this is going to be a situation where it starts from the very beginning of the season did he say get beaten really they need
1: to be beaten or beamed he said beaten really All right. wow yeah. that's extreme i missed that uh parlay kid Interesting enough, you could get in some spots the Astros at two to one odds to be the most bean team or beaten, as Harry and Marquez would say. <laughs> but uh, there's also, I saw an interesting one. Also over under. What do you think the over under on how many Astros charge the
3: mound is for oh, the season? That's a good one. I think they're gonna have to be very careful uh, for doing. They're not gonna get a lot of support in doing that. I, you know, I would think mm-hmm. that most people would say, you know, take your own, you know, take the medicine and. Get down to first. Right. I would say over-under. Uh, if we're looking at getting beaned uh, 83 and a half times, uh, the over-under there. So maybe, I don't know, uh, five and a half, Sal. I really, that's it's, it's tough. So man. now, I, don't I mean, that, what that's
1: over-under. what I would have thought. I would think at out of, you know, what, what what would you say? Like one out of 16 times? Five and a half would yeah. be one out of 15. One out of 16 right. times that's, you get beaned. Someone's thought. gonna yeah. Someone's going to be in a bad mood. They're going to charge them out. Over-under is one and a half. For charging the mound. Now oh, wow. Does charge the mound mean you take two steps and the catcher grabs you? Or do you have to actually get to the mm. you have to get to the pitchers the mound part, the rubber part? I, I don't know what the answer is on that. I have a feeling that's something we would bet and get screwed over on. But um Astros two to one odds, charge the mound one and a half, 83 and half. half, eighty three and a half. You're going over wow. or under for Astros hits by
3: pitch. Oh, going over here, Sal. Only because, you know, just looking at the stats from last year. Uh, like you said, there's about seven teams around the number, three teams actually over 83-and-a-half. Your Mets, which rightfully so, they should be getting hit all the time. <laughs> um, the Reds and the A's, I believe, are the other two that would have finished over 83-and-a-half. So if you had three teams last year over that number, uh, why wouldn't the Astros go over that number? It's not, uh, it's not a number that's uh, unreachable by any means. And if any team is ever going to get hit with pitches – it's the Astros, right? And they can't really do anything to retaliate uh, on their end. Like, they, you know, Verlander, he did enough crying last year about juice baseballs himself and cried about a lot of things. Is he going to be the guy that's going to start beating other teams' batters? I don't Mm -hmm. think so. People are not going to be happy with that. And we'll just lead to more of their players getting hit. So I think being that this went over last year for three teams, I think uh, it's a good bet. Uh, for it to go over with the Astros. And it should, to be quite honest uh, with you. Here's the only thing. Uh, by the way, when you talk about the Mets getting hit, I don't think that has anything to do with uh, I think it's
1: just they don't know where to stand. They're, they're just too stupid players. They have no idea. They look at these lines. Uh, That's a box. Do I stand to the left of this? So they'll, maybe they'll figure out this year, uh, my stupid Mets. Um, the other thing is, how about that if the Astros do start being opposing player? Then they yeah. could just be full on heel. Jim Cunningham, Ooh. you know everything about being a heel. How about that if the Astros just start beating players? That would be the greatest. Fantastic. Um then you could just root against them every time or or watch for something like this. But probably kid to your point, I think the only way this goes under and this is a real possibility is if the league let's say there's 10 beanings in the first 2 weeks and they're like, mm-hmm. "All right. Right. That's it. We got to start suspending guys." I don't know. Then do you want pitchers? Do you want them out of the rotation? Um it's right. an interesting thing like how I think they're going to step, Manfred's going to step up early and say, we can't have just a whole year of like them getting hit 120 times. But that said, 83 and a half is low charging the mound. One and a half I thought Mm. was low. Um, This is interesting. I don't know if you guys know this. I looked at the most hit by pitch uh, players who were hit by most pitches in their career. Craig Biggio had 285. Now he was an Astro Long Island guy, right? Probably kid. Kings Park High School. Kings Park,
3: right. Yep. Football player too, I think. Football, Hanson Award winner. Yeah, Hanson Award winner. Yeah, he's the best
1: player on Long Island. Yep. So, best player on Long Island's a good enough distinction, but if you could hold another record, wouldn't you want to do it? Biggio hit 285 times. The record, this guy Huey Jennings, who played in the early 1900s, 287. He missed by two. Just play another few weeks, get hit. (laughs) What an honor that would be. This guy was a... Huey Jennings shortstop for the Orioles. Ripken gets all the credit for being the Iron Man. I think the guy who got hit 287 times mm. is a real Iron Man shortstop for the Orioles, but that was just an interesting tidbit. We'll do more yeah. on the Astros as the weeks go on. It's going to be an interesting story. It's all anyone wants to talk about. Parley kid, by the way, you what do you think the clubhouse is like with Garrett Cole and when the Astros play the Yankees, that's going to be interesting, right?
3: Very interesting. I'm looking forward to that. Um, you know, Cole hasn't really said much on the matter. Uh, I guess their, I guess their pitchers, the Astros pitchers, were kind of exempt from it. I guess, uh, but mm. um, to to say they didn't know what was going on would uh, would be false. I, I, I'm sure. So, uh, but be. that will be Had interesting. Be. I'd love to see Cole hit the first batter on the the Astros the first time they see him. I'd love to see it. Right, right in the little things, rims.
1: like intricacies, we could root for here. It'd be fun. Uh, let's switch our, uh, focus to the NBA. Not a lot of shakeup at the top, but, you know, we were off last week. I bet that freaking dunk contest. I don't know why I do this to myself. I had Aaron Gordon, the guy averaged a 49 and a half, 49.5 on five dunks or four dunks. And he loses the freaking competition because Chadwick Bozeman gives him a nine. <laughs> and he jumped over the, the tallest guy in the, what are you supposed to do? He jumped over the tallest guy in the league, taco fall and got like a 47 outrageous outrageous so more that's my bad beat of the year so far I would say uh let's look at the odds the bucks now the lakers were kind of favored in, in most shops the bucks are now favored at plus 240 lakers plus 280 clippers 3 to 1 rockets 15 celtics 18 and then we get into the weeds a little the heat 25 raptors could be a good number at 25 also nuggets 30 um but let's talk rookie of the year and I can't even believe this is a discussion but we've talked about this on Lock It In today. We talked about it last week. Bill Simmons sent it to us. Ja Morant doing great. Minus 625 a couple weeks ago to win the title. Minus 455. Uh, Zion Williamson, who just started playing as a dozen games under his belt, was 7-1 to one odds. Now you can get him at plus 225. This is outrageous to me. Ja, Ja's 17.5 points, 3.5 rebounds, close to 7 assists a game. Zion twenty three seven and two. All right, we have a great young point guard and a great young small forward. But twelve games versus fifty one, and if they play the rest of them out, thirty seven versus seventy six. I just, I don't like it. I don't like it, brother Bry. What are you, what are you on here? Does this send the wrong message to give Zion the uh, rookie of the year award?
2: Well, it's funny when we talked about this weeks ago. I think Zion at some point some was like five or six to one, and we were like, how does, how does anyone pick? Uh, against Moran at this point. And now yeah. I'm not so sure, which is, I've totally done uh, a flip on this, but I, I certainly think, I'm not saying he should win, but I certainly think he could win. So look, there are three games out of a playoff spot. I do think if they pass Memphis and make the playoffs, I think Zion's actually going to win this thing. Uh, look, he already, when he plays in these games, he already might be a top 15 or 20 player. He, along with John Moran, are two of the most exciting players. I, I mean, I prefer to watch probably any Zion game, except maybe Giannis. After Giannis, it probably goes Zion, and then a few down, it goes uh, So, But look, he's averaging 23 points per game in 28 minutes. Um, if he was eligible, I mean, I know he's only played 12 games, but if he was eligible, that would rank seventh, seventh in the league in points per 48 minutes with a field goal percentage even better than Giannis. So the one thing I will say is, you do have to give him credit. I mean, I think there was... I just assumed, because I have him in fantasy basketball, I assumed Zion was not even coming back this year. I just assumed it. So I think if if he leads them to the playoffs, you got to give him a lot of credit for coming back. Even if it's 37 games, and you say in those 37 games, he was a top 15, 20 player. I think he deserves a chance at winning it. So... Um, I think at those odds, it's it's pretty fair, and I wouldn't be shocked if he actually did win it. Brother Brian, I think he is going to win it. I think he's going to win it. I just don't think he should. I think it's right. you know, well,
1: kid, baseball. Yeah. You have plate appearances. You have to have a certain amount of plate appearances to qualify. You could do this in basketball. I just think it's a bad message. Like in this day and age of load management, why would you? Let's say your team's gonna make the playoffs anyway. That's not the case here. But why would you rush back if you're if you're gonna get the hardware for rookie of the year, playing less than half the game? It's gonna be 37 to 76, I said, uh, if they play out the rest. Um, I agree with Brother Bride. This is not even in a discussion, I don't think, unless the Pelicans can pass the Grizzlies and the Portland could get eight. I don't know, whatever. As long as they could make the playoffs. But even then, parley kid, Memphis, who who are the role players? Jaron Jackson, Dylan Brooks, the Pels of Brandon Ingram averages 25 a game. Drew Holiday's close to 20, seven assists. Ball gets seven assists. He's surrounded himself with a team. They have the easiest schedule the rest of the way. What do you think? You still giving it to Ja?
3: Yes. I mean, if you ask the question, should Zion be in the running? I guess the answer is yes, because who else would be in the running then, right, besides Ja Morant and Zion? I mean, so if you're saying, should he be in the running? I guess he should be in the running because – Let's just say John Morant gets hurt next week and he doesn't play the last twenty-five games of the year, and then I, I think Zion would have a legit claim at this Rookie of the Year award. But uh, let's just say they both finish out the season and play in the remaining uh, most of the remainder uh, remaining games. Uh, isn't part of the rookie test of playing through this grueling eighty-two game yeah. season that is a big part of this rookie season. The guys haven't done this before at an NBA level playing through it. And to me, you know, Zion, Zion was able to rest his body uh, for a good amount. I know he right. might've been, well, he had some rust, basketball rust, but the hard part is making it through this grueling season. And Morant's numbers uh, are fantastic. He's oh, got, he's a guard shooting close to 50%. He's at 49%. Yep. He has been a fantastic player. He's taken a team that would have said they were like in a kind of a rebuilding year and he's really elevated them to playoff status. Um, what a player he is. Uh, he deserves the the award providing uh, his game and he, that he stays on the court and his game stays the same over these next uh, two months. He deserves that award rather than Zion playing 37 games, no matter what number he puts up because part of it is, the grind of that 82 game season. Right, uh, that's a big part of it for these rookies. So, John Morant deserves it. Zion's gonna be in the running because let's face it, he's isn't he? He's he's the next uh, you know he's the next poster boy for this. Oh league. yeah, he's the face so, of the league. And why you know, sell him short he, on know,
1: anything if that's how you're gonna build the league around him in the post LeBron era? Right. right. I mean that's how right. it's kind of got to be. Right, So, uh, th- right. Th- it all makes sense that they're going to give it to Zion, except that I don't think he deserves it. And so, what are we talking does about not. here? So, how many more weeks does John Moran have to play? Like, everyone's saying, well, what if John Moran gets injured? I'm like, okay, what if he yeah. plays three more weeks and that means he missed if he plays he ends 70 up games, like, Sal?
3: 61. He should, I know, it's crazy. Yeah, it's crazy. It should still Look, be enough. It should still be enough.
1: I don't want to be one of those jerks. I went to one basketball game this year so far, it was last night. I saw the Clippers in uh, Memphis um, and it was like a 20 point game, six minutes in. So it wasn't really a great game. It wasn't certainly wasn't John Morant's greatest game. Didn't, you know, wasn't dishing the ball, not a lot of assists, but he gets to the hoop. He Everything's forward. He is fu- boundless energy from that guy. Um, and the other thing I noticed, Kawhi, obviously one of the top five players, he has boundless energy too, but it's because he rests so much like that. Like, yeah, you're going to look great if you haven't played all these games, I think. I just feel like some players are are wired differently, and it shouldn't count against Ja Morant. Um, so, all right, I'm sure we're going to be arguing about that later in the year. Now, XFL, I guess 30% of the season is over, right? Three out of 10 games. Um, if you're watching, we could maybe now get a good feel for these teams, which ones are good. Uh I could maybe get a grasp on it. Harry, though, on the other hand, on other platforms, not this one, of course, is making a name for himself as an XFL (laughs) uh, handicap specialist. Harry, how do you do it?
0: You know, it's basically, it's a lot of, you're basing it on the talent and the talent level is okay in this league, but what you really have to base it on is the overall quarterback play, and some of these teams just don't have it, and if you don't have it, you're not scoring points in this league, there are like three quarterbacks that are pretty good in this league as of right now, and that's what you really have to base it on, and that's what I did last week with uh, Jordan Tayamu of the uh, the Roughnecks. Uh, he's excellent. He gets completing like 78% of his passes, but overall, Sal, I really like the Houston Roughnecks at plus 165 to win this uh, to win this league.
1: You do all right. Well, so now I had Dallas going into this year because Dallas, cow, whatever. Landry Jones, But perfect Dallas name for a quarterback? I mean, Landry Jones, not for the Cowboys, but for a Dallas name. Um, he was hurt the first game. I took them big on the money line. I lost. They've won two games since. They've won two road. There's not a better road team in the whole league. I don't know, right. whatever. They're 2.0, but uh, they're true, plus actually. 275. Your Houston team is plus 165. DC plus three thirty three, St. Louis plus four twenty five, New York eight to one, LA eleven to one, Seattle twenty, and Tampa Bay forty. Harry, you like the favored Houston? Now they have the MVP right right now.
0: Quarterback? Oh, definitely. I mean, they're they're definitely the team, the league's most exciting team. Um, They have the MVP front runner and quarterback PJ Walker. He's got ten passing touchdowns. He's got one rushing touchdown. He's got seven hundred forty eight yards passing. Uh, That's 132 more than the next closest quarterback. They're averaging 33 points per game. Uh, Averaging winning margin is 10. And their wide receiver, Cam Phillips. This guy's averaging 2.3 touchdowns a week. He's got seven total touchdowns to three games. Uh, he leads in receptions. He leads in yards with 324, uh, no one else in the league has more than 260. This team is exciting. And in a league where the talent is okay, like I said, it's not great. And, uh, big plays for the most part in this league, 80% of them have come from the Houston Roughnecks at plus 165. It's hard to go against them to win the championship.
1: Yeah. Those are the two MVP uh, options right there at the top quarterback and receiver. Um, I will say I think the under in these games, Harry, is nine and three. Is that right?
0: That's right. Under's really good in this league. Because a lot of times these games, it takes a little while for these teams to develop in the first quarter. Not a lot of scoring in the first quarter. So that takes away, obviously. And uh under's been a pretty good play like you said, for most of the season.
1: I mean, it's been great. I think two out of the first three went over. So if you went if you just hit it the last two like two and a half weeks, uh, the Sunday game the first week and then the next two uh full weeks. Uh, Brother Bri, you're taking a long shot.
2: Uh, Yeah, I have not followed this nearly as much as Harry has, but uh, have we learned, what have we learned so far in this XFL season? I don't know. It's hard to say what we have learned. You could say Houston is probably legit. Tampa Bay and New York probably stink. And uh, while it seems, it seems like it might be hard to come out of the West in the XFL, I kind of like LA's value at 11 to one. You could throw out week one, which they got blown out to Houston, but Again, week one in the NFL, week one in any football league doesn't mean anything, especially in this league. Uh, it yep. doesn't tell you anything, especially since Josh Johnson, their starting quarterback, didn't even play that game. Week two, they lost a close game to Dallas, who's decent. And then they kicked that sh- the shit out of D.C., who I thought was yep. probably the best team coming into last week. So at 11 to 1 odds... Um, Three weeks in, I, I I don't know why you wouldn't take a shot with them. They played New York this week, so that should be another another win. So I, I just like those 11-1 odds, considering we don't really know anything so far about this league.
1: Yeah, it's true. But, Harry, that said, give us – I mean, D.C. coming to L.A., give us the number. What's the trend on – the East Coast team going west for the late Sunday game in the XFL.
0: <laughs> well, you know, it, it, Brian does make a good po- point that it was very interesting. D.C. had played the early game on Saturday, actually oh, two weeks we in a row. And they had been fantastic at home. Everything looked great. Cardell Jones had looked pretty good, too. But uh, they went on the road, like Brian said, in L.A. And that was uh, they were a favorite, obviously, D.C. was. And they got their butts whooped. That was a crushing burial by L.A. Now yeah. L.A. seven on the road back got to play in New York. Seems like a big number there, but still, Brian might, might be onto something here because, like you said, they didn't have the quarterback. They didn't have Johnson week one. So now uh, same thing with Dallas where they didn't have Landry Jones in week one, like you said, Sal. So maybe uh, right. maybe these two teams are sneaking up on uh, Houston a little bit, a little bit.
1: All right. Well, we, uh, we may hear about the uh, week four games here if you guys uh, choose to use one of them in your best bet segment. Coming up. Uh parley kid, you're welcome for me not uh involving you in that segment. There you go. But we will we will be talking XFL.
0: <laughs> something else that we did learn about it. the XFL. I, th- What's that? I was just saying something else we did learn, like you were asking, something else you, we did learn this past weekend, actually the past two weekends, uh, about the XFL is that I pretty much can nail the games exactly and nail the exact score on these games as well.
1: Oh, is that right? Oh, you can name the exact yeah. score. Yeah. Okay. So you'll, A, be able to give us the exact score uh, at the end of the podcast and your best bet for one of the four games, and, B, you'll probably bet a lot of money since you're, I mean, nail the exact score. You can bet a lot on these games, right?
0: You, you should. If you can nail the exact score, you probably should. Oh.
4: Everything.
1: Right. Yeah, it's not asking a lot if you could have the exact score and, and uh, survive the week at a profit. I think you could do it, Harry. All right, we look forward to that. But between now and then... Brings us to our sponsored segment, Captain Morgan's Make Believe Riverboat Casino. Each week, the degenerate trifecta and I set sail tackling pretend propositions related to sports and pop culture events. This week, the captain asked, what is the worst excuse in sports following a loss? Is it at three to two odds? (laughs) Sorry, Deontay Wilder's mask being too heavy, wore like a 40 pound mask. He says it was too heavy and it affected his legs. His legs were weakened and that's what he blamed the loss on to Tyson Fury this weekend, 3 to 2 odds. The Knicks, they say they their hotel was haunted a few years back before they lost to the OKC Thunder, 5 to 1 odds. Um Richard Gasket, tennis player, tested positive for cocaine, um and then said he was only probably he didn't do the cocaine. He kissed a woman who did cocaine, started cocaine. That's why he tested positive. Seven to one. That's a great one. How about Harry? This is internal. Harry pulled a hamstring after losing to Brian in tennis. I'm not sure if that was the first, second, or third time uh, Brian beat him in tennis. 25 to one odds. Or the field at five to two odds. Uh, Parley Kid, let's start off with you. What is the worst excuse in
3: sports following a loss? (laughs) These are all pretty good, So I'd love to say Harry, right? I mean, Uh, because all of a sudden, you know, when he was down late in the game, his hamstring was killing him, and I guess that's why he lost. But we won't pick Harry here because I think this most recent one with Wilder really stood out to me because I I was shocked to read it. I almost thought it was like a joke when I first read uh, somebody posting that on on Twitter about Wilder complaining about his uh, outfit that he wore celebrating Black History Month wore his legs down. Uh, it's quite absurd He he was full of excuses after the end of this fight Blamed his his uh, one of his assistant uh, trainers I think in Mark Breland yep. uh, For throwing in the towel He br- blamed the ref for letting uh, Tyson Fury Hit him with what he I guess deemed as like uh, Cheap shots or whatever it is So you know what We've seen our wives walk around pregnant Right carrying mm-hmm. uh, A life inside of them For months and months And they get you know, lard bigger and bigger, and uh, very little complaining out of at least you know out of my wife, and I'm sure out of Melissa as well. Uh, and I gotta listen to Wilder blame his loss on his outfit being too heavy. The, that is by far the most ridiculous excuse. Take it like a man, accept the third fight, and go win the third fight. That's it. That's right. And
1: I feel bad because Deontay Wilder, he was on our podcast. He came on and said he had the flu the last time, and. Uh, maybe I read into that too much because now he seems like he just makes excuses, but I liked him on the podcast. He was on lock it in. Seems like a good enough guy, but you're right. Probably kid. It just doesn't add up that this is this mask, by the way, do a dry run. See if you can carry this mask. Why yeah. is this the first time you're doing yeah. it? It's a pretty big, pretty special night. Um, you know, uh fury gets carried into the ring. <laughs> maybe he's onto something there in addition to cutting down with the diet cokes. But yeah, I feel the same way. It's one thing if you say you took the mask off and the light screwed you up for a minute and a half, two minutes. Uh, that's one thing. But yeah, you're right. We've all carried kids, 40 pounds, 50 pound kids through Disneyland. We're not collapsing at the line uh, at the, line at the uh, small world ride, right? We're going on. We're not finding heavyweight uh, title matches either. But I thought this was a lame excuse. Um, that, that's where my money is, too, at three to two. Brother Brian, what are you picking?
2: Uh, yeah, I should go Harry, too, um, because... When he, uh, <laughs> when he said, claimed to hurt his hamstring, this was in the first match we had in tennis. He forgets that right. I played that, that first match with a kid's racket that was essentially a badminton racket. He forgets that, and I still beat him <laughs> 6-love and 6-1 the last two sets. forgets that, but I, I, I found this one really funny. I'm going to go with uh, the North Korea's women's soccer team who claimed after losing to U.S. women's soccer, I think in the 2010 World Cup, they claimed the loss was because their players were really weak because they had been struck by lightning a month before the match, wow! Um, so they had been weakened. The whole team, I guess, was was weakened by being struck by lightning. So I I found that funny. That's something that North Korea would say. Um, so uh, I'll go with that one.
1: That is spectacular! Wow! Uh, controversy in North Korea. Who the hell would have thought that? All right, Harry.
0: Harry, what are you saying? What's the worst well, excuse? First of all, the one with me in it. I, I want. I'm gonna come to my own defense here and say Good. that it wasn't just. Uh, it wasn't just the second time when I played Brian. It wasn't one hamstring. It was the two hamstrings. I got two pulled hammies. Oh. So just and that was true. That's not false. Anyways, I'm I'm going to go with uh, I'm going to go with the seven to one. I'm going to go with uh, Gasquet testing positive for uh, cocaine. Look, Sal, you know, uh, uh, he's French. Uh, my last name is of French descent. I want to give him the benefit of the doubt. <laughs> uh he's been a pro for 18 years and he's got a q in his name and you know how I love uh the letter oh, q I
1: shoulda known. but
0: this story is just <laughs> insane for him to actually claim what he claimed i mean it's we it would have been better off just saying he tested positive for cocaine and that's it instead of saying what he said so i'm going to take a uh, gaskey at 7 to 1 wow
1: I said gasquet, but yeah, it is gasquet. But yeah, of course, Harry going to take this. I mean, you have a name with a Q in it and cocaine is in the uh, is in the title description. Harry's got to be all over that. There's no question. <laughs> Never no question. snorted it in my life. Never. See, I don't know. So I think that's an excuse like the pull hamstring. I'm not sure if I'm buying it. Uh, Jim Cunningham, I know you're going to jump in here. What do you like? When I saw Wilder and Fury come to the ring, I actually
4: said that uh, it's weird that Fury's being carried and Wilder's got to walk around with that outfit on. This could be something. So there you go. So I actually believe that. Um, So I'm going to go with Harry's pulled honey baked hamstring (laughs) because you have to have a hamstring to pull one. So
1: I don't think he's got any muscles. (laughs) That's true. Harry, can you prove that you have a hamstring? You 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 have all these doctor visits. Can we get a note (laughs) saying that you have a hamstring?
0: My calves are stronger than all f- four all all, <laughs> all four of you guys combined.
1: <laughs> all right, you do have big cat. I think it's a different uh, different part of the leg altogether. But all right, uh, that's another week of Captain Morgan's Make Believe Riverboat Casino. No matter how you live, like a captain. Captain Morgan reminds you to please drink responsibly. Captain's orders. Sharp Tank. These guys give me their best bets. I buy one of them. I jump on board. We bet them. We suffer through it over the weekend. And then, uh, by Monday, I forget who the hell we have, and I have to ask these guys who who we pick, but Brother Brian, let's start with you. I think you've been the winner,
2: right three weeks uh i actually I think i've won i I've won all three this year i think uh I think I've won five in a row though on the sharp wow league, I think going back to last nice, year Brian, but nice. i you know the thing is i don't I don't really love anything this weekend, but I'm gonna go with the huge underdog and take um i I was looking at decisions here, but the odds weren't great, so I'm looking uh at Jesse Vargas, plus 475 to upset Michael oh, Garcia. No. Sh- I know. I'm <laughs> sorry. I, I figured you would love Garcia in this one. But this should be an awesome fight. It should be a ton of punches thrown. Uh, the one thing I will say is, look, Vargas is going to look huge next to Garcia, who who lost his only welterweight fight against Errol Spence. So that was, obviously, Spence is awesome. So you can't even look too much into that fight. But we don't really know how Garcia is going to handle this Larger weight class that Vargas has been in for a little bit of time, but again, he's going to look huge. I think it's going to be a really competitive fight. I just, I just like the value at plus four seventy five here. I'm not saying he's going to win, but I think it's going to be a decision. Uh, if you look at Vargas, is only two, he had a controversial loss to Bradley. He lost to Pacquiao. He didn't fight terribly in 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 that Pacquiao fight. So I just think it's going to be competitive. And at plus four seventy five, um, you know. I even, you know, he might lose seven to five or eight to four, but I think it's going to be close. So why not? Why not take a chance with those odds? Uh, all right. You know what? I
1: was going to I was going to do I was going to do that on uh, on lock it in. I was going to parlay that with like the, the 40 time not being broken or something. All right, I got to figure something else out. All right. Don't worry Harry, about what's Don't your worry you what's can. your best
0: bet? Well, I'm going to go back. Like you said, Sal. I'm going to go back to the XFL. I'm gonna to go to probably the game of the year so far. That's gonna be played uh, this Sunday between uh, Houston and Dallas, and I'm gonna take over 50 in this game. Look, like I said on the uh, Odd Shark Skype show on Fridays, I'm two and zero with my best bet. I had 29 to 10 prediction of the St. Louis BattleHawks last week. The final was 29 nine. I'm two and zero, and like I said, I'm gonna take over 50 in this game. Uh, three straight games. Quarterback PJ Walker has had at least three touchdown passes in every game. The te- they're averaging um 33 points a game. Like I mentioned earlier, they're also giving up 23 points a game. And so you mentioned Landry Jones didn't play for Dallas in Week One. Um, he's played the last two weeks. They've scored 24 and 25. He's got four touchdown passes. He's already third in the league in uh, excuse me, fourth in the league in passing yards with 579 by with missing a game he's also got four picks that could lead the points very quickly for Houston as well uh like I said D- Dallas is Owen three in terms of going over three unders this game is set up for an over I think here with Houston's offense uh and again <laughs> this the, their wide receiver Dallas Donald Parnum he's got 217 yards he's third in the league in receiving I think this is going to be a shootout in Dallas I think over 50 is my play. I, I say mm. they hit 61 points exactly on Sunday.
1: Wow. All right. I mean, to say they're due for an over. I mean, all these teams, the, the the under's hitting at 75% and all these XFL games. Were you surprised that Dallas is favored? Houston does seem
0: superior. No, Houston's a one and a half point favorite.
1: Oh, Houston's various. I thought I saw it the other way. All right.
0: No. Okay. Yeah, Houston one Houston. and a half.
1: All right. I guess that makes sense. All right, Parlay Kid. what's your best bet?
3: Yeah, slim pickings this week, Sal. So, uh, there's a UFC card uh, in Virginia this weekend. Some decent fights. I think the main event is is a pretty good fight. So I'm gonna I'm gonna parlay three fighters this week, uh, two females and, and uh, one of the guys in the main event. That's gonna add up to a plus 175 parlay. I feel like sometimes in these less heralded cards, uh, you actually see less upsets. So I'm gonna be taking yeah. three favorites here, um, and uh, hope that uh, that's hit. So First, I'm going to be taking uh, Megan Anderson uh, at minus 235 over Dumont. Uh, I, I've seen Anderson fight a few times, and every time I've seen her fight, she's won. I think she's like two or three in all one fights I've seen her fight. So let's take her. Uh, we're taking Spencer, uh, minus 800 over DeSantos. Another, it's kind of the co-main event fight, even though the uh, the one female is minus 800 over the other. I don't know how that's a co-main event, but uh, it is. So we're going to add her to it, and... We're going to take it minus 140. Benavides over Figueiredo. Uh, Benavides is, uh, actually beat Sujedo uh, a few years back. Uh, we know how good Henry Sujedo is. Uh, Benavides, is, this is his first shot at like getting a belt. He's waited a long time. This is uh, it's, it's for the belt here. Um, I think he rises to the occasion. That's actually a very underrated fight. Uh, but we're going to add all those up. Minus 140, minus 800, minus 235, plus 175. Uh, and, uh, you know, I'm looking to make a little cash with this one.
1: All right. You know, a parlay like kid, I'm going to jump on with you this year. I know brother Brian has the hot hand. Uh, I probably should just take Vargas there, but that, that fight, I don't know. I think no. I just want to watch it and enjoy it. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's going to be a jump good jump on with you. Uh, Harry, did you give us an exact score? You were supposed to give us an exact score.
0: <laughs> uh, Houston <laughs> 31, uh, Dallas 30. How's that? Well, so now he's going to say he
1: was rushed, right? He's going to say we put him <laughs> yeah. on the spot, even though he he bragged
0: and teased an exact 3130 score for us. Houston, no, 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 Houston, thirty-one thirty, thirty-one
1: thirty, Houston. So it's basically falling right on the spread, but you're going way over with this. All right, <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm going to stick with the uh, parlay: Kid, Anderson, Spencer, Benavides, plus one seventy-five on the parlay. Also, like Harry, tell me what you think of this. I'm taking a. Uh, i it locking in real life, whatever you want to call this. Kepka, 25 to one to lead the first round of the uh, Honda Open. I like it. Second, second last year at the Honda seems focused. Right. See, he was like eyeballing. He, he stared down Tiger Woods, talked about it in GQ at the Masters. He's really just a force. I like betting him. That's a fun one. Um, Jim Cunningham, you don't have a bet, right? I'm I'm guessing you don't have anything, right? No,
4: but this weekend I like, uh, Tom Gun Live, live in Los Angeles, Saturday night at Catch One. Get tickets at TomGunLive.com.
1: TopgunLive.com. I'm bringing the old lady here. We're very excited. TopgunLive.com. Um, when can I, I can order tickets now, right?
4: Yeah, I'll I'll put you on the list. I'll take care of you.
1: No, 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 no. I don't want, you need to make some money. It's TomGunLive.com. Oh, Tom Gunn?
4: Because it's, it, it's a bunch of different Tom Cruise movies are all involved oh, in it, it and everything, sakes. so you'll see. <laughs>
1: There's right. Right. Tom Tom a, a Tom Live. Pending lawsuit. Tom I mean, Gun nothing's easy back. with this Jim Cunningham. The I's yeah. are one. The, the O's <laughs> are zeros. Yeah, no, yeah, exactly. The O's yeah, are zero. Yeah, the zeros. M's are N's. Yeah, and the N's are R's. <laughs> the exactly. dot and in, uh, in, uh, in dot .com is an apostrophe. All right, we're, gonna, we're gonna Don't get forget the
4: going. umlauts. Don't forget the umlauts.
1: <laughs> Tom Gunn Live, Saturday night, what time? Uh, doors at four thirty. Show at six. Shows at six. All yes, right, sir. we will make it out there for that. Paul and Kid, what do you have to plug?
3: No, nothing much. I'm at the Chalk Talker Sal. A uh, little lull. I'm I'm coaching middle school wrestling right now, so it's a lot of fun. I actually have a very good team this nice. year. Uh, some tough kids. Uh, what's been great about it is. Um, you know, a lot of first year kids that are just tough kids. And so it's uh, been a pleasure to coach him so far. So that's really about it. And I, you know, we got lacrosse uh, starting up here soon uh, on Long Island, which is a huge sport right now. And uh, how did Archie's uh, wrestling season end up, Sal? I'm guessing it's over right now, right? You know, he liked it. Yeah, no, no, he's actually in the uh, state semifinals. No, no,
1: yeah, no, he's oh, uh, okay. it's over. <laughs> <laughs> it's over. Uh, he liked it, though. He liked it a lot. He's definitely coming back. He He misses the workout. And uh, he had a little bit of a winning streak towards the end there. You know, he came in like what the equivalent of fifth in the, I guess, JV league. Um, So, you know, we we talked about this all the time. The only way to win your last match is uh, first, third or fifth, right? That's uh, correct. Or win and get hurt or something like that. So he was happy. He was happy with fifth. I think he would have come in third. I think he lost three to two to that kid. So uh, he had a good good finish, so, and he likes it, and, and all that stuff, Brother Bry, you're checking out. What are you doing,
2: Brother Bry? Do you want to talk about your bad beat last night? Oh yeah, why not? Um, you know, I figured I, first of all, I'm not the brother Bry um I figured i'd I'd ride with Oregon women last night, minus eight and a half. I knew um UNESCO had like a big day coming yesterday. She spoke at the uh celebration for Kobe. And then um, she was only like nine rebounds away from 2,000 points, 1,000 rebounds, 1,000 assists. So I was like, I'm going to jump on Oregon for this game. I think they win big. Uh, They're up 18 after three, up 14 with about a minute left. Uh, Stanford then uh, hits back-to-back threes. uh, And then they make a layup to cut it to eight with uh, seven seconds left. I don't know why they're taking a layup down uh, 10. And then they tried to foul the inbounds pass. Uh, they probably did foul. The refs didn't call. I think right uh, off the clock, and I I lost. Uh, yeah, I had minus eight and a half. They 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 won by eight. So uh, so bad beat. Um, that I wish bad, I was dude. going to this Tom Cruise. Uh, I wish I was going to this Tom Cruise live. I would love to see like if what <laughs> Tom Cruise movies they do. If it's like Edge of Tomorrow or. <laughs> uh, Bunch or, of uh what what are what are some of the other ones? Jesus. Uh, Risky business. So many good movies from Tom Cruise. All there's the business. right moves. Uh, the Last yeah. Samurai. Tropic um, Thunder. So Eyes Wide Shut. <laughs> yeah. So. yeah I think Eyes good Wide Shut. We got that in there, yeah. you see. <laughs>
1: Brother Brian, you had uh I had a bad lot right before I didn't even want to mention it to you because mine's a ridiculous bet, but when you texted me how you lost the Oregon game, I was like, ah, I'm not even going to tell him how I just lost the Clippers game, a game I'm sitting at So I figured, what's the only bet? Harry talks about these bets that you're always in until the last second. But the only bet that really is true of that, the only one that, I guess you could have an overtime bet or something. Um, But I had, this is the first time I've done this. I've bet a million different ways to bet and lose money. Um, Even score at the end of the game between the Clippers Uh. and Grizzlies. And I've never done it before. I was like, I'm going to stay till the end. I'm like, holy shit. Now it's 10 o'clock. I could really leave. It's a 27-point game. I have to wake up early. Um, but I stayed, and uh, <laughs> you know, it, it's an even score for the whole last minute. And then Memphis <laughs> starts jacking up threes, their second stringers, and uh, I, lose. I lose. It ends up on a three. <laughs> but it really is I don't the not think I've ever that you could done be that like, bet. oh, I was in it. At least with 10, 30 seconds left, You're always you're always in it, right? You're always winning and blew it or went the other way. And uh, so I recommend staying away. Uh, you just pull your hair out of the even. Harry, did you ever bet that even
0: even points? You know what? No, I, that that you know what? I, I, many opportunities, too. That just doesn't that doesn't uh, that doesn't interest me. Nah. OK, that is, I mean, fun, you would think it's just so crazy in basketball. They, to... they have it in football, right. too, but
1: basketball's dumb. It's insane. What do you got that going, is... Harry?
0: Yeah, you know, you can find me on, uh, on Twitter at A.O. Harry. Uh, check out my articles and my guys and bet Skype show on odd shark on Fridays and also my own radio show here in Phoenix. Uh, and pod, uh, it's a podcast on, you check it out on my site, uh, best There you go. And how's the, how's the health? Uh, <laughs> uh, another doctor's appointment tomorrow. Another one on Thursday. Uh, it's okay. Just, uh, colonoscopy going on probably after the i'm going to set it up after the ncaa tournament i want to be able to just not even think about it until till uh till april so other so you than know that, that i, I know okay, you wouldn't
1: spring for this because it's probably an extra like 25 bucks or so but they have these colonoscopies during the ncaa tournament you think i'm joking i'm not where you know, but you can go with like a bunch of guys you go annually uh and uh i mean annually not anally, but annually annually <laughs> and you go and you watch the games while this is going on, right? Have you heard of this?
0: Never heard of that.
1: All right, look it up. I'm not kidding. There, there, right. uh, okay. such a thing does exist. Look it up. You might be able to kill uh, two birds with one mm. stone. All right, we've waited long enough. Um, we're going to take a quick break, and then on the line, our guy, this guy, the mastermind behind Super Seventy Sports on Twitter, our favorite Ricky Cobb, is coming right up. Nine, nine, nine. All right, welcome back to Against All Odds, part of the Ringer Podcast Network. My next guest, you know, I get excited to have some guests on, and sometimes I'm just pretending. I'm a real phony in general, but this week is no joke. Um, This guy, I was thinking about today in the car. No one makes me laugh five times a day except for our next guest. He's the man behind Super 70 Sports account on Twitter, Ricky Cobb. Ricky, thanks for coming on Against All Odds.
5: Hey, Sal. Thanks for having me, man. I'm I'm thrilled to be here, and I uh, appreciate the kind words.
1: Well, let me just say, let me give you a little backstory, everybody. If people don't maybe, and shame on you if you don't know what Ricky who Ricky is or what Ricky does, but Bill Simmons got me on board, Super 70s Sports on Twitter. Uh, I got my cousin Jimmy on board, uh, Dickie Barrett, lead singer of the Mighty Mighty Boss Tones, countless others. Now we have a chain, a text chain. We just send... Super seventy sports post back and forth. Uh, all my buddies I grew up with are on it now. Um, I also actually feel bad interviewing you here because I'm taking away from time you might spend researching and posting other gems. but um, <laughs> I, I might be doing a disservice to people. But for those that are not familiar, you take photos and videos from mostly the 70s, which was just a better time and also a worse time. And you support that point in a very funny way. Is that fair to say? Well, what, how else do you do this?
5: Yeah. I mean, that's, that's a fair way to put it. I, I certainly get a lot of criticism in certain corners for going outside the Uh (laughs) seventies, which, (laughs) which, which I do, you know, but uh, when I, when I named the account, I don't think that I realized what the, uh, what the scope was going to be. So I've, I've ventured out of the seventies a little and I've ventured away from sports and into pop culture as, I'm sure I don't have to tell you, but uh, but the 70s is the foundation. Absolutely. You know, and as Mm -hmm. you said, it's a it's just a period of time from a pop culture standpoint that really stands on its own. You know, so I've I've gotten a lot of mileage from it, to say the least.
1: And and how did you get into this? Did you have a collection of pictures that you would uh, write captions or just uh, look at them and think of funny things at first? Or did you just be like. Did you have the idea that the 70s were great, this time, this era needs to be commented on, and I need to educate people? Uh, which came first?
5: Man, it was really more the latter. I, I had mm-hmm. no archives, no, no anything uh, other than an encyclopedic knowledge of uh, useless information from a life that has been largely misspent. So, uh, <laughs> you know, I had to create a way to make all of these things that otherwise uh, would seem irrelevant somehow relevant, and uh i guess that is what the twitter account became but uh but when i started at sal i i had absolutely no anticipation that it was going to take off become popular i thought that it would be something that i could share amongst my friends uh give them a few laughs and that would be about it but uh you know lo and behold here we are
1: no i mean you really make and break people's days here i mean uh, not, not break you know, so <laughs> there's no there's no breaking really it's just a yeah, belly, laugh belly laugh after belly laugh
5: yeah.
1: exactly now i want to yeah i you know it's weird having you on and asking you is basically like having a comedian on and saying okay what are some of your favorite jokes but i want to hit some of the genres you um like for instance you like like uh the facial hair in the 70s for instance you you'll have one <laughs> or two posts a year uh, i'm sorry a week commenting on the facial hair of baseball players football players. One you had yesterday, I think it was a football player. Like his head looks exactly the same upside down as it does uh, right side <laughs> up. But what, what, what's are some of your favorite, um, fa- facial hair, facial uh, hairdos of the past?
5: Well, you know, not, not only was there a greater array of facial hair stylings in the seventies, but the, mm-hmm. the best thing about it for me is that there was a sincerity you know today it's like you get these hipster beards and you right. don't know who's being ironic or who they're paying uh, homage to in their own mind but these guys in the 70s were like hey look you know we we've, we've come out of the 40s 50s 60s and man we it's going to get crazy right so it's it's almost like guys were just inventing the most bizarre uh beards possible i was always a fan of the uh, i was always a fan of the beard with the uh, with the chin hair cut out you know yes. that very civil war kind of look uh the, the guy that you were describing uh his football card where he he had male pattern baldness and uh and he'd also gone with that beard so sideburns, oh you know my god the sideburn was was absolutely nothing less than an art form in the 70s you know and then you get into you get yeah. into afros and 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 guys going with perms i mean it, it was a It was a pretty great time. Obviously, uh, I think the 70s, you know, probably the probably in some respects, the the pinnacle of the of the mustache and, and perhaps facial hair in general as a as a concept. I, I don't yeah, know. Yeah, I if think it was. it was. It was different. God, you know, I, mean, you I know.
1: remember I, I'm friends with a lot of Red Sox fans. I, I know. feel bad for me, but you know, and they loved it. <laughs> they, they had the verite. They had all the guys with the facial hair and they had the helmets that looked like they'd been through a fire like, yeah, these are gutty guys. But you point out guys like, I mean, like anyone with big hair, like Oscar gamble or just big hair in general, you really had to want to have it because you couldn't keep a cap
5: on your head back then. Right. With that kind of, it, it was a real hindrance. Yeah, I mean, that, that's a commitment. You know, sure. I, I remember Jose, Jose Cruz, uh, playing yes. left field for, for the Astros. I mean, he would always lose his cap. It seemed to me just even yeah. on routine balls, you know, if he had to move three feet to his left, the cap came off because, you know, with, with the fro, he would have needed like a size 11 cap. You know, I mean, they, right. <laughs> they just, they just don't make them, uh, for that. So yeah, absolutely. You had, you had all these guys who, who were out there and, you know, they were, they were obviously more worried about what was going on after the game, I think, than, than the game sometimes. And if that was the price they had to pay, you know, was losing their hat, then uh, th- they were happy to pay it.
1: Right. And then you have things like um, just just odd things like people just don't understand. Like you'll, you'll show a family driving without seatbelts and, you know, four <laughs> people in the front seat or uh, kids playing on the monkey bars, like 30 at a time, you know, 20 feet in the air. And there are supposed to be people watching over them and they're just not, right? Like just uh there's a more of a laissez fair attitude, right? In the 70s.
5: Yeah, I mean, we, you know the, the the thing about it Sal, is we really had to earn adulthood. You know? Right. I mean, you you look around and you see uh you, you see a 40-year-old man or a 50-year-old man in this society. You can just you can just look at each other and without saying a word just nod, you know, because <laughs> you both know that you were going down the uh, you were going down the highway at 80 miles an hour with no seatbelt on, inhaling secondhand <laughs> smoke for uh, for probably a good portion of your childhood. And then when you got to uh, recess at school, you know, it was it was basically just this obstacle course of terror that they right. that they sent us through. So, uh, you know, there was a lot of character building in our day.
1: Well, and then also it just it just occurred to me. You had to have your fun on the playground because when you got home, what did you have waiting for you? And you point this out too: the handheld football games, the electronic games that we went crazy over, the Mattel game with the, th- the basically five flashes. And you had to get the one all the way on the left to the right side uh, for 10 yards. Um, you showed yesterday some stupid water contraption with rings. Um, <laughs> what,
5: what were our parents thinking? Like this was it. This what, was going to get us going. this stuff? Like, seriously, I mean, no, no kid from this generation who has an iPod or, or a oh, smartphone no. ever gets to complain about anything e- right. ever again. You know, let let them go back and spend a weekend with the stuff that we had and they're going to be tapping out. But but right. for us a- at that time, you know, the, the bar was pretty low because we didn't we didn't know any better. We, we, we thought that uh, four hours of cartoons on Saturday morning was just how the world works. You know, we didn't. Mm-hmm. We didn't realize that <laughs> there was a future where uh, the demands of children were going to be catered to much more efficiently. Back in our day, right. it was here, you know, take we, we tacked two things together and your mom paid a dollar for it at the store. And uh, that's going to be your entertainment for the day. So and that's a, a, a
1: big theme of your post there like that. You know, we just didn't know better. And so it was better. So, you know, we look. We look at, you'll you you'll show a screen of like the Dolphins and Jets and they'll pop up the score. And you were excited to see that score because they would have the clock in there too. But they would pop that up every 20 minutes or so, like real minutes, not game minutes. And you just didn't know better. Like, you're like, all right, this is just how it's going to be, right? Like, it's well, insane I mean, that, that, that it didn't have, it's like wheels on luggage. Like, I can't believe that wasn't invented until uh, uh, as late as 40 years ago. Makes no sense, right? I-
5: Absolutely. I mean, you're you're a gambling man. I can, can yes. you imagine going back to to the era that we grew up in, not knowing the score of not only the the, the other games, but not not knowing the score of the game you're watching, <laughs> if you're uh, unless you're really there in front of it, paying attention. Right. You know, right. it's just it, it was a different time. You know, I remember calling the the nine hundred numbers when I was a teenager and, and oh, yeah. racking up some some phone bills that I'm pretty sure my mother. Uh, you know, still hasn't gotten over uh, all, all these years later, but that was the only way to find out what was going on half the time. We were, we had a paucity of information, you know, we, we didn't realize how uninformed we were, <laughs> but looking yeah. back on it, we were really just dealing with bits and pieces of information.
1: That was the jingle. Get all the sports news instantly, dial nine, seven, six, one, three, one, three. And that that stuck in your head. And yeah, if you had, I was too young to bet then um, very, very sadly, but Uh, yeah, that's how it would be, and then later on in college, on ESPN, they'd have the twenty-eight fifty-eight. You'd have twenty-eight minutes past the hour and fifty-eight minutes, uh, you know, past the hour, and that's when you would get your scores. And then though in the '90s, I mean, now I'm getting out of the '70s, but I had a sports pager, and I was like, whoa, uh, how how are girls just not dropping their pants right now? I mean, this is crazy. (laughs) I'm I'm the big man on
5: campus. I was the the only one who's seen the pager Is known as the panty dropper. That, that's that, exactly that right truth. let me ask you how I old the men are you? and that is true uh i'm 48 <laughs> years old a youthful 48
1: my oh friend. you are okay so i'm 48 also i'm 49 in july that's interesting so i would have thought you were a little older at least because you you skew a little older like um like we were young when the love boat was popular right and battle of the network <laughs> stars and all that stuff but you seem to have like such a grasp on that
5: time yeah i i do skew a little older i think that Probably most people would guess I'm in my earlier mid fifties, probably, mm-hmm. but uh, for for whatever reason, you know, I was, I don't know, I guess I was the, the guy for this job because I was, <laughs> I was fascinated with, I was fascinated with the seventies the and was nostalgic about the seventies and the sixties for that matter, uh, before really any kind of reasonable time had elapsed for anyone to justifiably feel, feel that kind of nostalgia, but I, uh, you know, I remember being nostalgic for the seventies during the eighties, you know, so that's, uh, right. that, that, that's probably a problem th- that I have, but, uh, but that mentality is, you know, served me pretty well.
1: Uh, absolutely has. I mean, over, Oh, I don't understand how you don't have like 4 million followers. You have the 335,000. That's, that's a lot, but uh, people are really missing out. Like if you like to laugh for God's sakes, if you're, I was going to say, if you're over forty and you like to laugh, but really there is something for everyone. You hit home runs too, with the like you'll show like a uh, Bill Cosby, uh, Bruce Jenner and OJ in the same photo. Like, where do you, where do you get these? Are people sending these to you now? Or are you just, and what happens when you come across something like that?
5: Well, people send me stuff now and, and I'm grateful for that. You know, I will get something pr- pretty much on a daily basis. I I'll get a few things from, from various people. And I always tell people, keep it coming, you know, because mm-hmm. the, the, the more, the more content, the better. And it's, it's not easy to find great content and as you might imagine I've been I've been uh, sifting through this stuff pretty meticulously for for about 5 years now so it's yeah. harder than ever for me to find something that I've never seen before you know so when I find a, a a gem a a picture and it's something that I haven't seen and I know that if I haven't seen it there's a real good chance that most of my audience hasn't seen it Right, and so it's it's it definitely is is a thrill when that happens. But you know, there's no substitute for work. As much as I would love to be able to sit back and have people just send me the the greatest hits of information that they that they find, I, I still have to put a lot of time into it, and it's right. just basically you know rolling up your sleeves and going through the recesses of the internet looking for whatever odd stuff you can turn up. You know, and it's it's like fishing. Some days you come up with a lot of good stuff, and other days you spend a lot of time looking and not, not so much, you know, but yeah, but it definitely, it definitely takes a lot of time because, well, um, no,
1: I can imagine, I look at this and I'm like, my God, this is a treasure trove. And sometimes you're on, you'll, you'll do like uh, you'll hit us with 10 posts in like uh, an hour or an hour and a half. I'm like what? <laughs> this guy is a maniac. He is not slowed down. And uh, by the way, there's nothing wrong with playing the greatest hits over. No, over. we don't care. I know my friends, my relatives. They, we don't care if we see a repeat. We saw you showed the Steve Garvey. My cousin Jimmy's a huge Steve Garvey fan. Was that what show was that where he threw? <laughs> did he hit someone with a ball? And then I, I think I'm confu- confusing too. But what,
5: do you know what I'm talking about? Yeah, oh, believe me, I know exactly what you're talking about. Yeah, it was it was from a, a TV program called Masquerade. Okay. Um And I don't, and I don't know much about it to tell you the truth, but I, I think it was like 78, 79, somewhere in that era, you know, right when he was at the height of his Steve Garvey powers and, uh, you know, the Dodgers were in the World Series a lot in those days. And so, um, but basically a crime has happened and some guy is, you know, the perp is, is running through the lobby of a, of a hotel and out the door and <laughs> he's being chased and Steve Garvey's signing an, an autograph for somebody. Uh, Some kid, and uh, he takes the baseball, runs outside. The guy stops by a pool, turns and throws a Chinese throwing star at Garvey. You know, just pegs it at him. Right. And uh, <laughs> Garvey, you know, fortunately with those major league reflexes, Garvey just gloves it. Uh, you yeah, know, because of course. Back in those days, I feel like, you know, Steve Garvey just wears his glove everywhere.
0: Uh, right, right. Pretty
5: much, because you never know <laughs> when you need it. And takes the ball, but, you know, pegs the guy in the head. The guy, you know, plummets into the, the swimming pool. And I can only hope that Steve Garvey was rewarded with some sort of honorary deputy uh, title for that, you know?
1: Absolutely. Well, he's not a hall of famer, unfortunately. Right. So that's, that's a, uh, that's yeah. Uh, maybe, maybe I'll, if I'll, enough people see that clip they'll uh, <laughs> be
5: inducted, right. It could get him over the top. Yeah, exactly. Absolutely. What, the commit, what the do, you do needs to see do
1: if, if you see a picture for the first time or a clip like that for the first time, how much time on average will you spend before you're like, all right, I got the joke. I'm sending it. I'm pressing send. I'm forwarding it.
5: Um, I would say the best ones, not a lot of time at all. Right. Um, sometimes, you know, now I can work something over for a long time and really think about it. And it turns out to be great in the end, but you know, usually if I, if I have to spend very much time thinking about it, that's a pretty good indication that I just need to put that one away for today and come back to it. You know, tomorrow right. or next week or something. I think the the best the best captions tend to come to me very quickly.
1: So now you're a, you're a professor, right? What do you you don't do this full time? I'm guessing, right? Uh,
5: yeah, well, it's a, you know yes and no to that because I I, I put a right. ton of time into this, but mm-hmm. uh, but my day job, yes, I'm a, I'm a college professor, sociology uh, professor <laughs> for for uh, many years, yeah, which doesn't seem like you know, college professor, it seems like I should be wearing, uh, you know, a, a, a jacket with elbow pads and yeah. doing, you know, professorial things rather than being <laughs> an idiot. But, uh, I, you know, you can't put a label on me.
1: <laughs> right. You so, should definitely yeah. be wearing a, a jacket, maybe a straight jacket. I'm not sure about the, <laughs> the elbow pads or something, <laughs> Yeah. but I'll yeah. say so I, I like sociology, sociology, sociology is what <laughs> the study of human society. I mean, I can't imagine someone more well-prepared to do that than you.
5: Yeah, well, you know, I I, I think that in, in all seriousness, uh, studying society and being a social observer does does sort of prepare you for for this a little bit. You know, I've always felt like the best comics are are really strong social observers, sure, and they're able they're able to take material. You know, you look at guys like. You know, Larry David is a classic example of that. Bill oh, yeah. Burr is another guy that I really like, you know, who can just take little seeds of things from everyday life and really find the the content and the humor in that. And I'd, I'd like to think on my good days, that's the, that's the same kind of uh, angle that I'm approaching these tweets from.
1: Absolutely. Now, do you ever integrate the Super 70s post into your like curriculum or is that too far yeah. outside the box?
5: I really don't. I, I've always felt like that would be kind of a douchey move. You know, like I my, my students really don't even don't even know about it. Um, Is that right? Most wow. often. Yeah, most often. You know, there was a there was a nice feature on me in the Chicago Tribune last year. And it mm-hmm. was during the middle of uh, it was during the middle of the semester. So some of the students saw the feature and they asked me about it. And I got sidetracked with uh, answering those questions for. For a while, which was which was fun, but it's one of those things where my students don't really know about this stuff, and there doesn't really seem to be a way to tell them uh, in the classroom that doesn't sound like you know, like, hey, you (laughs) you guys want to gather around and let me tell you how famous I am? You know, I don't want I don't want to be that guy. (laughs) So I don't think it's douchey at
1: all. I think they would see you in a different (laughs) light. I don't, you know, maybe you don't want to be seen that way, but it's great. Uh, You're I'm sure you're fun enough. You're a fun enough professor in the room, but um, this really just takes it to a different level. Let me ask you, what did, is baseball your favorite sport? I sense that baseball is your favorite sport, right?
5: Baseball growing up was my, was my favorite sport followed closely by the NFL. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I would say throughout most of my life, you know, and those things change, obviously what you like when you're 12 is not necessarily what you like when you're 35 or whatever. Right. But, right. Base baseball and in the NFL have, have probably been the two that have have been the biggest deal for me.
1: Yeah, I and I, I was the same way. I grew up, I baseball. That was it. I had endless statistics. I knew them all. I knew batting averages to the fourth spot the decimal. Um, but yeah, that, now I'm a I'm a gambling addict, and uh, so football lends itself more nicely to that. So you, wh- who was your team again? Who was your team growing up?
5: Ah oh, man, I think that this is. I think this is sort of part of my background that probably led me to be sort of this generalist uh, that uh-huh. I am. I I never really had a, a team, at least not consistently. In in the uh-huh. late '70s, I, I became a Yankees fan because I thought Reggie Jackson was the was the coolest motherfucker that there was, you know. Right. And so I was a front running, you know, shitty little kid from Kentucky who was rooting for the New York Yankees. And then when Reggie went to the Angels, I I went uh, and became an Angels fan for a few years, and <laughs> and, and I and I just never I, I never really settled on a team. The Cubs, the Cubs, uh, I guess, were the closest thing for me watching Harry Carey. Right. so, you know, ending up ending up in the Chicago area where I had the opportunity to to get out to Wrigley Field every year. You know, that was in, that was in some ways the thing that I was most excited about uh, when when I landed the teaching gig in Chicago. as I thought, oh my God, you know, man, i I'm, I'm going to be out at Wrigley Field all the time. <laughs> and, I, and I and I have mission accomplished.
1: That's great. And I, I said also, I, I look at it, a lot of these posts. You are just gaga over some uniforms in the seventies, and you post <laughs> like that all star card, like the uh, the team picture for the nineteen seventy eight all star game, the National League in particular. Like, oh my god, that really is uh, glorious. Look at these should uniforms be, should be
5: hanging in the Louvre. I mean, yeah, I, I know, it's, I know the one you're talking about exactly. Yeah. I think that's like seventy seven national league team and it's just it's a cornucopia it's a feast for the eyes Sal I mean just yeah. gorgeous and, and and people give those uniforms such a such a hard time and talk about how ugly they are and and so forth but I I really I really enjoy those and and, and you know beauty's in the eyes of the beholder. but I think that we could use a, a little more color uh, in, in the in the game today I think uniforms have gotten a little boring
1: I think so, too. And I look at that. But, you know, I remember thinking back then, like, oh, the Padres, it's ugly. Or the Astros, it's too much. It looks like pajamas. But then when you see it in pictures like oh, that, that is spectacular. Keep that going. We absolutely need that. The other thing I look at those pictures and you you touch on this and it's not just baseball, but I'm going to pick out. It's funny because I sent my cousin Jimmy this, the one of Tommy Lasorda. I can't remember. It was last week. You had a picture of Lasorda. Oh, he was in the team picture with the, they're all wearing polyester. And Jimmy, uh, like,
5: yeah.
1: Jimmy's like, Jimmy's yeah. like 49 in that picture. I was like, geez, he's our age right well, now. We're a little well, a year see, older than that. That's us.
5: the thing. That's another thing is how, just how demanding father time was on everybody back then. Yeah, I, I guess it was the cigarettes and the, you know, heading to the hotel bar after the game and knocking back men's drinks. But, you know, Sparky <laughs> Anderson, the first, the first World Series that the Reds won in 75, mm-hmm. Sparky Anderson was younger then than Tom Brady is now. That is you insane. Know, wrap, wrap your mind around that.
1: Yeah. Sparky <laughs> you know, Anderson, just... Tommy Lasorda, those are the big ones. Yeah, like Gene Mock. You had like all these older guys that probably weren't nearly as old as you, you think they are. And you're right. When you, when, you, when you could smoke in the dugout, it probably takes years off in a 162-game <laughs> uh uh, a season clip, um, it's going to take years off your life, but not just the uh, managers, the players. I I'm amazed by like, we know the George Blandas, and there's a few of them that played, you know, it seemed like into their seventies, but you have hockey players, you have like goalies wearing w- without masks that look like they're in their mid sixties, octogenarians and everything.
5: How did, oh, how did it, that happen? Like, it's just, it's it, a ridiculous it, time. It's astonishing too. like what passed for being in good shape you could still yeah. get away with, but, but you know, and back then, you know, I guess it was in shape, but by today's standards, so many of these guys are doughy and just visibly overweight in, mm-hmm. in a lot of cases. But uh, you know, back in the, back in those days, it, it was, it was a different world. You know, these, these guys weren't expected to train all year. So they would, I, you know, I think you talk about things like spring training and the NFL preseason and whatever. I mean, back in, back in the day, they needed that time to, to actually yeah. get themselves into shape. Now, it's you know, I, I mean, pitchers obviously still need to get stretched out in the spring. But, I mean, the position players, they're, they're showing up in Florida and Arizona in better shape than, you know, guys in the 70s were mid season probably.
1: Well, and it's, you know, I hate to say that this is the barometer, but then you go into professional wrestling, too. And you would just get these fat guys. It would be 260-pound guys, like the, the Moondogs or something. And they, Oh, they, they were the champs. They're gigantic, but now they wouldn't that make was, it a, a week in the, it. in the if WWE. You, if
5: you, absolutely. If you weighed over, you know, you didn't, they didn't, they didn't require you to do a lot of flipping and, and so forth. Right. You watch pro wrestling today and there's a lot of flipping and there's yeah. a lot of gymnastics and these guys are smaller and more agile, but back in our day. Yeah. I mean, if, if you weighed over 300 pounds and you know, they could, fit some spandex on you and roll you into the ring, you know, you were you good to go. Just, just stand there and, and punch each other. And then eventually somebody sets on somebody for a three count, you know, exactly. it, it's, it's a, it's, it's a, it's a, it's a little different thing now. You can't really pull that off in wrestling anymore.
1: I don't want to put you on the spot. If this is too hard, just tell me, um, because I know it's like asking what, who your favorite children are. And, uh, I mean, I Uh-oh. have an answer for okay. that, but most people don't, um, <laughs> would give me give me a couple i won't hold you to it that it's your favorite of all time but which ones jump out at you that tickle you more than any which posts
5: oh gosh um which is the which is <laughs> oh gosh it's like my i know it's a stu- stupid I, but I just want to see if anything um,
1: jumped out at you
5: it, it's it's an impossible question because i always try to answer it when people ask me that and then i get off the line afterwards and i think oh god that was a shitty answer because (laughs) you end up just saying like whatever the first thing is that you can think of you know um the the howard cosell oj uh bruce jenner caitlin jenner uh tweet is probably my favorite just because i think that it it gave me a lot of exposure and introduced super 70s to a lot of new people so you know just for the just for the fact that i think that it increased my audience a lot and and brought some people uh into the fold i would say that that's probably my favorite
1: and and uh um, remind me what what caption did you put underneath that one
5: um the caption i believe was uh ladies and gentlemen i've looked into the future and you're <laughs> not going to believe this shit
3: and <laughs> it uh, is crazy. and
5: and that's one that somebody actually sent me and I remember it stayed in my phone for probably two or three weeks before I ever tweeted it because I knew when I got it that it, you know that I had been handed something special. Mm-hmm. But uh, but the caption didn't come to me right away. I mean, it's a simple enough caption. You would think that <laughs> it didn't necessarily take that much to write it. But I I remember looking at it, thinking, yeah, I'm not not quite happy with whatever. <laughs> whatever it was, you know, that, I, that was coming to me. And I, I, I wrote it a couple of weeks later, but there, you know, there's a lot of favorites, right? I mean, lots of times my favorite is just, you know, whatever the, whatever the last one is that made myself laugh. I don't make myself laugh that often because mm-hmm. you do it so much, you know, it's just kind of like, that's not how I see it. <laughs> Even if right, I know right, it's right. funny, but, but you know, probably a couple of times a week I'll make myself you know, laugh and I'll, I'll be, you know, sitting there with the giggles and those tweets aren't necessarily always the ones that other people like, but, uh, you know, sometimes in a sneaky way, the tweets that I like the best are (laughs) sometimes, you know, kind of these run of the mill tweets that for whatever reason, just kind of, kind of hit the sweet spot for me, you know? Right.
1: Well, I feel, I'm not just kissing your ass here. I don't, I don't think you put up any duds. I really don't. I look through and it's a massive amount of input. No, that, I mean, that, that's accurate. I'm telling you. I, I never pass over one. I'm like, ah, he, he swung and he whiffed on that one. No, you, you nail them all. You make us laugh. And to hell with the haters. You brought that up earlier. Who, who the hell is, is reaching out to you saying that's not right? Well, that's not. But just unfollow you. I, like I said, you're good for a half a dozen belly laughs a day. If no one's laughing and no one's getting it, just get off, right? Follow someone else.
5: You know, I, I'm a big fan of if you if you don't like something, go consume something else, man. Well exactly. said. That's now. Listen, I, that's I'm think.
1: worried about something happening to you, and then what's going to happen to the rest of me and and uh, and my friends and family who just uh, <laughs> just adore this account? Are you healthy? Is there a is there a super seventies <laughs> junior? Do you have uh, you have kids?
5: Um, I I've got five girls. Uh, so, what? Yeah. <laughs> I've got five girls and and two stepdaughters as well. So, yeah, it's, uh, there's that as well. So, I kind of have three jobs. Wow. But, uh, <laughs> but in between all of that stuff, no, I, uh, I, I don't, you know, we don't have an emergency plan in place. Uh, you know, I, there's no, if, if we're ever, if we're ever under a threat from North Korea or anything, you know, we, we haven't determined like where the underground location is that they're going to send me. Um, so that I'll be safe to keep tweeting, but, um, right. you know, yeah, I'm, I'm trying to live right. You know, hopefully, uh, hopefully I'll, I'll be around. I've got some, you know, there's some people out there in the world that I don't like very much that I need to outlive. So I'll, I'll try. I to got you. To yeah, I have a couple of those
1: too. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, well, listen, I, you say it's not an emergency. I think it is an emergency. It's seven daughters. Please go on Super 70 Sports. They have a whole <laughs> store there where you could buy these shirts. Now you've done a great job with these shirts. Obviously, you can't market, you can't sell anything that has like a name brand or a team logo or anything, but you do a great job of getting around that. I just just please support this guy. It, it is such a treasure trove of comedy here and uh nostalgia. And I bought a bunch of shirts. I bought the WKRP in Cincinnati. I like the um I bought the chair, the uh, lawn chair that's a strike zone. What else did I do? A uh, fast uh, It's funny because then I'll wear the Ridgemont high, uh, surf team. And then I have to explain to my son exactly what it is. And then we're watching the movie. So you, you have a bunch see, of these, that,
5: right? See, that's the, now that's wise. You know, you're using, you're using the gear as a, as an entry point to, you know, to turn your son yes. on to, to what's up. So that's, that's exactly. a smart use. And, and, and obviously thank you for your patronage. Yeah. It's a, uh, Super 70sports store.com. We, we launched at the end of September last year and the response has been tremendous. And we're just trying to, to grow the selection. I, I ideally, I'd like to have a store that, that looks a lot like the Twitter timeline, you know, just yeah. kind of random, a mix of sports and pop culture and stuff that you may not have thought of in years or that, you know, isn't so easy to find. So we're, we're always trying to come up with with stuff, uh, you know, for people to wear that, uh, you know, hopefully is going to put a smile on their face. You know, it's, it's fun to be able to do that. And, and the, uh, the apparel brand is something that we certainly, uh, you know, are really proud of.
1: Absolutely. And it's nice to know that you won't be sued by the Regal Beagle because no such uh, entity exists, right? (laughs) Keep that going.
5: That's it's always, it's always nice to be able to to work with subjects that uh, are unable to be upset. Yeah. Right.
1: Well, Ricky Cobb runs super 70 sports account on Twitter, uh, far and away, far and away. The funniest Twitter account, follow him, buy his shirts, Ricky, if you ever want to come to LA, bring the daughters, start a career in comedy, please come out. You'll know where to reach me. I'll figure something out for you. Thanks for coming on against all odds.
5: Hey, absolutely. I might just told you to that now. All right. (laughs) Thank you, Sal. I appreciate it. Thanks buddy. All
1: right, that'll do it for another episode of Against All Odds with Cousin Sal. See me on Lock It In, Monday through Friday, FS1, 4.30 to 5.30 Eastern. Watch Jimmy Kimmel Live, 11.35 tonight and every weeknight on ABC. That's that for the Degenerate Trifecta, heel producer Jim Cunningham and Super 70s himself, Ricky Cobb. I'm Sal saying so long and happy handicapping.